Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Sheila Zelensky Show for this Tuesday edition. We are about to embark on a three-part series starting today. This is part one of three. I really am anxious to get into this. My prayer group has been doing a study. Now, sadly, I have not been in on all those Sunday night meetings, but we have been studying a book called The Devil and Karen Kingston. And Pastor Elvis Newhart is here from Hamburg Church of Deliverance. He is here to talk about this incredible documented account of a deliverance, and he's going to get into that. Now, before I introduce him, for the SWAT leaders, we have a leadership call this coming Sunday night, March 10th at 6 p.m. Eastern. Be watching your email for an email from SWAT Prayer coming out Thursday or Friday of this week, and it'll give you all the contact details. We are forging ahead with SWAT, and God is raising up an army. That, to me, is pretty darn exciting, and I'm really just so blessed to be a part of that. And listen, I want to jump right into this show. So Pastor Newhart is a good friend of the program, and I would like to welcome him back on the show. Elvis, welcome to the program, sir. The mic is yours. Take it away, sir. Well, thanks a lot, Sheila, and thanks again for having me. And it, I think it's going to be very interesting for your prayer group because when you know when you have a when you have a like-minded group of people uh, going through the same uh, you know written material, you know people get to see it from different angles. And you know sometimes some people see some things that that other people don't, and and that's what's really enriching about that. So I hope that what we share tonight and what we share in follow-up messages is a nice little uh, addendum to what you and your crew have been doing. Over over there in cold Canada. But the book we're going to be looking at tonight, folks, and where we're going to start looking at tonight, the title of the book is The Devil and Karen Kingston. And I first came across this book several years ago, well, almost 30 years ago, when uh, I, I bought this out of a church bookstore. When I read this, it was recommended to me. And I read this book, and I was very young and starting fresh in the deliverance ministry, and I thought, oh boy, this sounds exciting. It's quite a book. By the way, I just want to mention the name. The uh, author of the book is Robert W. Pelton. I'm not selling the book. I've preached this series uh, at other times, too, and people have found it. You can find the book. So it's uh, The Devil and Karen Kingston by Robert W. Pelton. Probably can find it on uh, any of those uh, sites that sell books. But it's very good. I think that it should be in every every uh, deliverance worker's library because it's an excellent study. It's an excellent study of what goes on. It shows what works, and it shows what doesn't work. It's an incredible tale of what happened in April 1974 when a very young, when a 13-year-old girl, again, by the name of Karen Kingston, went through an incredible three-day deliverance period. Now, let's go back for a little history here. What, what, what happened here is, we're going to start off and let's do, you know, in the first 15 minutes of any movie, you meet all the characters. So you can check that out next time you're watching a movie or a television show. Usually in the 15 or 20, uh, first 15 or 20 minutes, you meet everybody uh, that's going to be involved with this. So I'm going to go forward and let's, let's set the groundwork of who is Karen Kingston. And how did this all come about? Well, on July 14, 1968, at the age of seven years old, poor little Karen Kingston stood by and watched in complete shock and horror as her drunken father was stabbed to death by her mother right in front of her. A very traumatic time. Uh, another, you know, here we say, here we see a household full of anger. We see a household full of the alcohol spirits, and you know, it just came a time uh, when it when it snapped. So the father was killed right before her eyes, and her mother was was sentenced to a life 
time sentence for this murder and for this crime. So what happened with the little Karen Kingston is that she was given uh, to some caretakers after this, probably put in, uh, in a little foster home. And what happened was, was they noticed that in a very short period of time, she stopped learning. And she became more and more withdrawn. And as a matter of fact, what they said about this poor little girl is that she became more and more like a little animal. And so they're looking at her in this one here, too. And now within six months of that time frame, she was sent to a home for retarded children. Okay, And that's like six months after this. And that was in 1969, and she was eight years old. Now, in 12 months, she became basically a vegetable. She could not feed or dress her self. She could not go to the bathroom alone. She could not read. Read. She could not write. And her IQ had dropped below 45. Now, folks, 105 is considered normal for a normal person. But an IQ uh, below 45, it dropped down to below 45 and it stayed that way for five years. Now, in the spring of 1970, when Karen was nine years old, from one day to the next, her hair became gritty and coarse and completely dull overnight. She had a repulsive body odor that came out of her that was never experienced before. Uh, the nurses and the people were saying, you know what, we have never smelled like that, any, uh, anything like that before. And they had taken care, taken care of a lot of people. And so all these things just started come, uh, you know, happening to this little girl. And at the same time, the doctors are trying to help her. Psychologists are trying to help her. They're looking for all the, they see all the physical symptoms, but they're unable to come against to, to find out where the roots are. Now, what happened is she became pale and washed out looking. Acne covered her body, and actually it went from acne to open running sores developed on her that would not heal when they were medically treated. Now, at age 10, her eyes changed color and they crossed, and the flesh around her teeth began to recede. So what we see was something was mimicking or something that looks like, that looked like gum disease was, was coming at her. Now, at 11 years old, and look at this, we see this year after year, the bondage getting worse. At 11, her shoulders fell inward, and she began to droop, and her joints became painful, and she couldn't walk right, and her left leg was found to be two inches shorter than her right leg. She walked around. The people said that she walked around like an ugly old witch. Now, doctors and psychologists, like I said, who had done everything to treat her were confused and they were very frustrated because all of this had happened within, within four years to this young girl. And the doctor said she was not maturing. It was as if her mental and physical and spiritual, her entire, you know, everything that she was became arrested. And actually, when what we mean by arrested uh, is it stops, slows down, and even in many cases goes backwards. Now, what was going on is that she was taking on the characteristics of the familiar spirits, okay? We know them as demons, the familiar spirits inside of her. Now, they have a team, and they had a team that was going forward. It was a tightly organized, well-planned, scientific experiment. And this is interesting. This is the one of the only times that I have heard in my over 30 years of deliverance that there was actually a deliverance meeting that was tightly organized, well-planned, and a scientific experiment. They had people there taking recorded notes. They had other doctors and nurses, nurses that were there, I guess both saved and unsaved people. And what they did is that they have 
have a video record of this. They have audio recordings of this that in all these years we haven't really been able to find. Uh, the Devil and Karen Kingston, this takes place in North Carolina. And, the, and I just found that out a few weeks ago. And they were going to do, within a three-day three period, they were going to see they were going to see what they could do. They had 11 people with them in the room there. Now, what they had uh, with them in there is they had a Catholic priest in the room by the name of Father John O. Tyson. He was 38 years old. He, they said he was rather portly is how they described him. That was kind. And he had been in the Catholic priesthood for over 10 years, and he had no previous experience in dealing with demonic spirits. And also on hand, what they had to, as an, uh, as an observer and to help assist, was a man by the uh, name of Reverend Donald J. Sutter. He was a local area Southern Baptist, basically te uh, tent evangelist and a healer, right? And he, uh, for some reason, they mentioned that he came in at 298 pounds. Uh, that's always good to have uh, in case you need to hold somebody down there. You see, his thing was mostly evangelism, uh, was mostly evangelism and uh, and a healing ministry. And he had some reputation of uh, being a healer of some sort. So that's another gentleman that they had. And then you had all of the, quote unquote, what we call other people, all the doctors. Uh, it was watched over by several psychologists, several, several nurses and they were going to do this all together. Now, it's really interesting to notice this because this was back in 1974, and we've learned a few things over the years, too. And uh, I want to respectfully say it wasn't exactly a dream team that they sent in there, especially when most of the people had little to no uh, experience or knowledge about the uh, deliverance ministry or praying against spirits. Now, the main character in here is a Reverend Richard Rogers. He was 28 years old at the time. He was a he was a holiness minister, and he believes uh, that that his ministry and his calling was uh, for the task of casting out spirits. So basically, he was a deliverance pastor doing this, and he and his wife were together on this. And that, that's always great, boy. I tell you, if you have a if you have a spouse that prays, thank the Lord for them every day. It is so wonderful to have a prayer partner or somebody there to uh, help you bind and loose and Help, help you to walk forward in the Lord. And it's uh, really interesting because this Reverend Rogers and his wife, uh, both of these Christians, they fasted for an entire full week before going into this deliverance phase, and I find that uh, pretty incredible. Uh, I, too, many times, like before a workshop or a seminar, many times when I attended workshops, uh, when I attended workshops in Chicago and in California and in different places, I would fast. I would take some time and fast before that time, number one, for my own deliverance, and number two, for when I would be praying for other people. But you see, Reverend Rogers and his wife, they took this very, very seriously, and they went forward. And what we'll find out as we go forward, as we go forward in this, is that it, it really helped. It showed that they were serious. They were serious about deliverance in their hearts, and the enemy knows that. They already know who's in it to win it and who's there to observe or to be part of the show. Now, like I said, the entire deliverance was taped and documented. Now, they have the handwriting analysis for several years afterwards. Yes, folks, you heard that right. They had handwriting analysis. Personally, I would never do this. You hand a, you basically hand a manifesting demon a sharp pencil, and you hope that you didn't get stabbed. But what happened was, was they took several handwriting analysis. There were different personalities, okay? There were, there were completely different forms of handwriting, and they looked at at this and 
you know, sometimes they were like, well, you know, some people tried saying, well, it looked like a multiple personality disorder. And this is what this can mimic. So it's a real incredible study on this. One thing that I've found as, as um, we've been going through this over all these years, and I recently preached another full series on this, is it's interesting to see the hierarchy of the spirits and what spirits came in uh, to this little girl and how they set up and how they set up to protect themselves. And it's a, it's a real excellent book on on deliverance and how spirits will work hand in hand to keep you to keep you completely bound up. Now, Karen Kingston was 13 years old when this started. Now, how they started this out, too, it's very interesting. And it's always interesting how the scientific community is, and I'm not against science, but in this case, these people here, the psychologist, this, this Dr. Fromm, when the people arrived, when, when Pastor Rogers showed up, what they did was they didn't bring Karen Kingston out. They had to try them. They had to test them. And so what they did is they brought out a group of kids, and they said, you know what? If this Pastor Roger picks out the wrong kid, uh, the experiment's over because we know this guy's a sham. And so what I'm seeing here, too, is that, you know, sometimes we have these, sometimes there will be will be things that manifest in people that try to block us from getting our deliverance or going forward. So in, in the beginning, we see them playing an unnecessary game here where they brought in a group of kids and said, you know what, if he picks the wrong one, the experiment is... The, the experiment's over. We know this guy is a sham. Well, they came in, and when they saw all the girls there, and, there, you know, there were, sadly, there were several young girls, young ladies there that were also bound, uh, you know, also bound, had, uh, were dealing with a lot of mental illness. And so anyway, so the first thing that Pastor Rogers did is he, said, he, he, he stood there, and he started praying softly to himself in tongues. And he waited. He waited for the Spirit to, to speak to him. And then he raised his right arm and he pointed directly at Karen Kingston and said, and he said the name Karen Kingston, even though he did not know her name originally. And you know what, folks? This is a very interesting case, and I want to put this here, too. It's a real interesting case because at this point, I don't believe that Karen Kingston was saved, but just I think it was divine providence. And God said, you know what? I'm going to use this. And notice, people, it's like, what, 46 years later, all these, all these years later, we're still talking about this as an example. And so what God did was he ended up setting this, this young lady free, getting her deliverance. And you know what? Through all the scientific skepticism and all the recordings and everything else, God, God went through and proved this. And I want to repeat again, it's really good to go through this book because it shows a lot of what doesn't work and what does work what belief systems work and what doesn't work. And I don't say that out of criticism because you're seeing exactly here what goes on. People, there is a time, I, I, I say this, you know, there's a time for singing and there's a time for swinging the sword of the spirit, okay? And that's what it's called and that's what it for is, is, to, is to set the people, people free. Now, as we go forward here, it's really amazing to see it. It's a very interesting book, you know, and just to, we're going to start off with, with a preview is that they started praying for the next three days. They would have sessions where they would go and these sessions would last different amounts of times. And, but usually, usually on average, it would be at least a couple of hours. Uh, you know, it would be two to three hours where they, where they would pray. And as soon as they started praying, they, they got an instant reaction. 
and a, an in, instant reaction. And as I read this book here, and I have been blessed enough, I have ha- I had the opportunity when I entered into deliverance, there were those that went before me. There's a song that's say, saying, may those that come behind us find us faithful, okay? And that's our call right now, people, is that we are found faithful now because there are going to be people that come behind us. And they're going to need the experience that, that we that we glean. They're going to need our testimonies. They're going to need to know what, what we learned through all of this, because that's all part of the battle here. And when I read this book here, there were many times where I would get the picture that Pastor Roberts and his wife, there were times where it seemed like they were fighting a Tyrannosaurus Rex, and they were fighting it with a wooden stick. I mean, there were times where the spirits would manifest. There were people that got that were bit. There were people that got hit. There were people. There was one nurse that got injured so bad and torn up, and, and torn up. She had to be taken away. That was on the first day. Okay, they they had basically had to take take her to the hospital after this time. Right. And, you know, it really, and there were times, and there, there were times where they just knew, come out in Jesus' name, I rebuke you in Jesus' name, you know, and, and they would pray the simplest prayers, and, and that's fine. And they used that. And then there were times where they met demonic entities and force, uh, demonic entities and forces that were so strong, it took a literal intervention of the Holy Spirit coming down upon the group of the people. You see, there's times where we're going to be able to pray, and we're going we're gonna to pray, pray with ourselves. We're going to pray with a prayer partner, which is really good too. And then times we are going to hit the real giants of the land, just like Caleb and Joshua fought against the real giants of the land. The walls of Hebron, they said, were so high, okay? These big, these stronghold areas. And there's times where we're just going to have to, like the Bible says, after having done all to stand. And you know what? We're going to pray and everything, but you know what? There's also times where the Holy Spirit, through grace and mercy, is going to come and going to help. And you see that here, and we're going to see that here too. Because they were praying, you know, most of the group uh, prayed full of faith and unafraid. It was really interesting. And I find it very brave. There were a bunch of non-believers there. Uh, there were several uh, people that uh, were not Christians, and the uh, other Christians that were there, they didn't believe, really believe in deliverance. And like I said, I said, wow, it wasn't exactly the dream team they took into there. And I got to tell you, a lot of people ended up getting hit, getting bit, and I tell you what, they all believed that a Christian could have a demon by the time they were done, or a person could have a demon by the time they were done. And so they went for the next three days. The demons levitated. You heard that right. This 13-year-old girl, they would be there praying. Voices, deep voices of males would be speaking out of this 13-year-old prepubescent girl, right? These deep voices, right? Male, female voices came out of her, and she levitated. levitated. She would come straight up out of the chair. She coughed. She puked. She spit. She shook, okay? There were times. There was a time when they were praying for her, and she actually defecated on herself. And I tell you what, when you go forward in, 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 uh, in deliverance and praying for people, yes, that happens. There are times. Number one, the demons will come out both ends, right? Number two, uh, when, the, when the demons get a hold and control, control of areas, uh, yes, you know, yes, people will wet their pants. Yes, people will do the number two or, or stuff like that, but you got to be hardened for the fight. That's right. That's why this, this book and going forward in deliverance, when you're serious about it, there's going to be times, there's going to be times where you hit the big ones and, and none of that can shock you and you just go through, through with that. 
That has happened several times in my life of deliverance where, you know, that exact thing has happened. We prayed for people and they would just lose everything. We would have the buckets and the mops and the paper towels and all that. We would have that ready. One thing when we pray for people like that and, and, and they would come back, the demons were either cast out or let's just say the demon, you know, backed off and retreated. And there would be a lot of shame in that person. And we would spend a lot of time reassuring that person saying, don't be ashamed about that. We know it's the enemy. We don't think anything bad about you or shameful about you. And lovingly took care of these people and, hey, got them cleaned up, got them in some fresh clothes. You see, because that's what the enemy wants to do, dear deliverance worker. He wants to chase you off. He's going to threaten to beat you, beat you up. You know, he's going to talk out of the person and say, well, I'm going to kill him. I'm going to kill him. They'll never get free, just like this, uh, just, just like what we're going to see in here, right? And they're going to make all these threats. And also what they're going to do is they're going to level every accusation they can at the deliverance worker, whether it's true or not. The first time I ever prayed deliverance at the Hegwish Baptist Church, I was 19 years old and I was just on my way to the book room when I was walking along and all of a sudden I felt something very powerful grab my ankle and just about drag me to the floor. And I looked down and here, here this was, this, this, this gentleman gnashing at me with wide eyes and teeth and calling me every name in the book, using all the names that you're, sh- using all those words that you shouldn't be saying in a church. And I looked down and I was kind of in shock. And then one of the workers that was laying across this man's chest uh, looked up at me and said, and said, Elvis, get down here and grab a leg. I'm like, grab a leg? This doesn't happen in church. And so what I did is I went and I grabbed a leg. And I tell you what, I was a pretty healthy young man, a big guy. And so I went down and I grabbed that leg. And then within the manifestation, that man started lifting me up and down my entire body with that one leg. There were five other men who were holding arms that were laying across him that were praying. I'm sitting there in shock. I looked at one of the workers and I go, what, what do I do? And they looked at me and said, they said, they said, well, start praying in tongues. And I received my gift of tongues at a very young age, at a very young age. And I hadn't prayed in tongues for probably 10 years. And I tell you what, the gift of tongues came right back at that moment. And I started praying in tongues and that demon sat straight up and looked right at me and started re- reading off a list of my sins and reading off stuff that nobody could know, right? And I was humiliated and I was shocked. And one of the other workers saw that and they and, and they just looked at me and said, hey, don't let that get at you. That's the card that the enemy is going to want to say so that the worker goes away. And so don't fall for that. And as we look at this tonight in the book and everything else, uh, look, uh, look, look at this too. It is incredible how this demon could basically, you know, especially for the people that weren't saved and didn't believe, believe in de- deliverance. Now, it's really interesting. The Christians and the Christians that were praying, you know, you'll see a lot of ac- accusations, but there wasn't like there wasn't like the demons and the people communicating with the demons uh, that were in Karen Kingston. But boy, the other people, boy, I tell you what, they, they, were, they were an open book. So what happened? So everything happened, okay? Now, Karen Kingston, she swelled, okay? Blisters broke out all, all over her skin. She really swelled. She, she swelled up like a balloon, and she started getting cracks and cracks in her skin. Now, the demons cursed God and everyone else, and the demons spoke fluently in at least four other languages. You get that? It's a 13-year-old girl, and then you start having the Spirit speaking out of her in four, in four other languages. We've had that, too. We were praying for a man that we called Uve, the Romanian bear here. He was a 
big Romanian guy, and we were praying, and uh, he he spoke a little bit of German, a lot of Romanian, and we had uh, we had a lady from from South America, she, uh, uh, one of the workers. She was married to a German man. She was walking by, okay, and the spirit looks right up and starts speaking to her in Spanish, and it shocked her. Now, to her credit, she was shocked by that, but to her credit, she realized it was a demon, so she started praying. Right, she started praying in Spanish right back at the demon, and you know what? The demon understood it. Yeah, and guess what, folks? That demon came out, and those two became close. They became good friends, and they said, "Hey, wow!" It's you know, thankful for the deliverance. Out of Karen Kingston was speaking Aramaic, Greek, German. And Latin. It's amazing because one of the people were Catholic priests, and they so they started doing all their rites of exorcism in Latin. And the spirits, the demons, start start quoting those up and down and backwards and forwards. Now the demons would manifest and, and write, and they recorded that writing and analyzed it. Each spirit that manifested wrote differently and had its own distinct personality. Okay. And every time the demons did something worse, God did something even better. That's a quote from the beginning of Deliverance. That other one of the quotes is that when the devil's at his worst, God is at his best. Now, there were times when, when they would just be praying and they would just be using the name of Jesus, the name of Jesus, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, right? And like we said, as is, is they'd be praying that, that would be very tormenting to the enemy, is the name of Jesus and the power of his shed blood. They were commanded to come out in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ by the power of his shed blood, and you should have seen how they howled, how the spirits howled, and they didn't like that. And you know what, like I said, and there were even times where it looked like like the Christians were going to be defeated, where the demons were so smart, they knew every word, they knew what to say, they were so powerful, they're throwing, basically throwing people around the wor- uh, room or sending them to the hospital. And you know what, then the Holy Spirit des- descended and it kicked the demons out. Now, during the deliverance and when there were times when the spirits actually came out, there were times uh, where the physical problems just disappeared and they were healed. There were miraculous things that happened with her eyes, her hair, her skin. There were things, there, there were tears, there were cuts, these swellings and the cracks on the body. And take courage in this. You know, I'm telling you this, and I'm not trying to spread fear here. It's just to let you know what went on here and what's what many people in deliverance who've really been in the thick of the battle have had experience with. And here's the incredible part. For just as bad as the enemy was to Karen Kingston's body, the Lord brought healing and health and rest, restoration, right? Her eyes would uncross, the, her teeth were healed, the skin would get healed and everywhere where it, it was cracked, okay? Uh, it's going to be really interesting as we go down these points and find out, wow, they cast out these spirits, they cast out these spirits, and actual physical healing happened in the body. You see, folks, because it's like the entire package of salvation. Salvation, healing, and deliverance go together, okay? Healing and deliverance go together. And you see that in the New Testament, right? A lot of times, you know, there were times where Jesus would say to somebody and says, your sins are forgiven thee, rise up and walk. Or Christ would say, it "Would say, man, your sir, your sins are forgiven, are forgiven thee, and the withered hand would grow back." And the scribes and the Pharisees, they they would flip out because they didn't know what to be more shocked about. Number one, this guy, this carpenter's son, Jesus, just forgave somebody their sins. Okay, and then then there was witness of a physical healing right in front of their eyes. And the scribes and the Pharisees, they would look at the, uh, would look at each other and say, "Well, wait a minute! Only God can do that. Who's this guy?" Okay, winky, winky, hint, hint. 
Christ was Christ by his works was was trying to show these people. But healing and deliverance go together. So it's good. It's really sometimes people want to say, well, we don't do that deliverance stuff, but we just do healing. Well, cast out the spirits of that and, and watch how things happen. It's really incredible. Now, after they had prayed for her, one week after Karen Kingston's deliverance, her IQ went up 29 points, and that is in one week. And that is pretty miraculous just at that. In the next six months, her IQ developed rapidly. Her mind was developing and coming back. At the age of 14, which is like a year later, she was doing work in the third grade. Now get that, folks. She was 14 years old. Okay, she was 14 years old, but she was mentally, she had the capacity of a third grader. At the age of 15, with the restoration there, uh, she was doing the work of a fifth grader. Right now, in the fifth grade, you're usually about like 10 years old, so we still see that she's like five years behind here. However, look where she came from. Okay, she was at 15 years old. She was doing the work of a fifth grader, and that that's like a 10 year 10 year old girl. Now, at the age of 16, she was working. She was working in the level of like a sophomore in high school. Okay, so we see the advancement there. And, you know, this is what happens. You know, we get the spirits out here and that regeneration and that regeneration comes back. There were times of instant deliverance that Karen experienced when she was 13 years old. And there were some things when they prayed, they would battle for two or three hours or more. They would battle on this. They would finally get the spirits to go out and you could, they, would, they could see the instant results of deliverance, right? But then we see, we see that restoration and there were other parts that took some time to come back. Now, when she was 16, she was working again in her in the sophomore class, and she had caught up with the other kids her age. Now, folks, this was three to four years after her deliverance. And you notice that the demons were cast out, and it was allowed her to grow mentally and physically, okay? She was completely cured of mental retardation, and she was healed of all physical infirmities, okay? So, praise the Lord. Now, notice there were some things that happened instantly, and there was a progressive healing and everything as she went forward for that three to four years before getting back to, forgive me for this term, before, before she got back to being normal or getting back to her good old self and being with, with the other kids, other kids her age. Can bondage like that happen? Absolutely. We have an entire book, uh, an entire book here on it, and it's listed step by step and page by page, and how they went, how how they went through this. And it's really interesting because the book it merits a lot of stuff. I was really excited to hear Sheila that you and and your group that were uh, had bought the book, read the book, and went through the book. I can imagine that there were some very lively discussions. Speaking of the demons again, uh, I'll tell you folks, I was uh, was very appreciative that they did not edit out or they did not sugar up how the demons spoke during this time okay this is to this is also to prepare you because the enemy speaks that way to us as well and they used all sorts of names for for these uh, for, for these people now one thing I want to share about on the uh, and we're talking about we'll go through day by day we're going to go into another part of the program that we have right and do that because so that we can keep it together and keep it packaged but it's really interesting to see how the spirits were set up 
or let me just say it this way, the rank and order of which they sent the spirits to go and to defend the real root areas. Now, one thing I do want to say is that what the enemy likes to do to us is the enemy loads us up with those things which are opposite of what we really are. And at the same time, so they load you up with the spirit, uh, the opposite of what you really are. They send that spiritual package in, right? And, you know, and we don't know who we are. I'm speaking, uh, I'm doing another series on the arrested conscience right now. And it's like they get a hold of our mind and our will and our emotions, and they bind us up and they arrest us and they send us backwards. And we come to a point where even now in the last three days, we had some wonderful uh, testimonies at our prayer meeting last night where people were like, you know, why didn't I ever think to pray for that before? And, you know, we've all had those aha moments. Well, that's what a lot of that does when our mind, our will, and emotions get bound up, okay, is, is that we don't have those aha moments and we remain in, you know, we, we remain in a survival mode, okay? There are many survival mode zombies that are around you. They may breathe, they may blink their eyes, they may talk, but there's a lot of people walking around in survival mode right now, and that's how society ha- uh, basically ha- has that set up, until eventually people, ju- people just break together. Now, interesting point here with Karen Kingston, it's like, well, boy, that sounds like some really horrible things happened to that young, uh, young lady, Elvis, and you're absolutely right. Now, notice here, and let's look where Karen Kingston came from. And for the end of the message here today, we're going to use this as an introduction into our journey here, discovering, wow, all the things that can be, all the things that can be in a little girl. Now, one point I want to make clear here, and this will be our main point for tonight, is we see that she had an alcoholic father, and obviously he was loaded with his spirits and everything like that, and there was the murderous mother. She's probably driven to murderous rage. Who knows? Uh, These wicked spirits will get in there. You'll get the spirits of a dysfunctional family. We don't have any really record of their mental condition, but when you're taking a long uh, butcher knife and stabbing your husband in the chest nine times, we can imagine that there was quite a bit of damage done, and it went, uh, that went both ways. So with the alcoholic father and the murderous mother, one thing that we're going to read and find out here is they were, they were asking these spirits in the course of deliverance, they were like, well, how long have you demons been here? And the demon said, we've been here a long time. When little Karen Kingston was conceived, there was, an incomplete, there was a complete package of wicked spirits that came in, you know, down the family line and entered into Karen Kingston in the womb at the time of conception. That's how it works. That's how things are passed from generation to generation, and it sits there dormant like little time bombs, right? So we had those spirits that already came, the spirits from the father's, the alcoholic's father side of the family, and from the mother's, and from the mother's side of the family. With what we see, see here that went on with the mother and the father, poor little Karen Kingston probably had no chance. And I think it was God's mercy looking down saying, I say stop here. I love her. I say stop here. Now, the Spirit said at the death of the father, they went right into the child. And look what, you know, all, all the rest of the spirits, because you know what? He's dead now. He's a dead body now. Do you think they want to just, do you think that they want to hang around with that? And so all the spirits, they were looking for the next place with all the open doors. There was Karen Kingston. Yes, she had several open doors, but all the shock and trauma there. I mean, when you're standing there as a little kid watching your father being butchered, okay, that throws all the 
trauma gates wide open, and they went right into the child. And the spirits, the spirits, you know, basically uh, said that. What's really interesting is when the mother was put away for life in prison, the demons left her and came and came to the child because all the doors were still open. She was the next one on down the line. And do you think the demons are actually going to sit there and sit with you in prison when you're serving a life sentence? You know, you may understand the success now, and, and now you see why so many people get saved when they get into prison. This is why some prison ministries are so, this is why a lot of prison ministries are so successful, because the spirits have left. I think they change, I think they change a package. You know, it's like all the spirits go, okay, see ya, don't want to be a enjoy your life behind bars enjoy your life behind bars and they go but i think there's what i call the prison package that comes back in you know look at this in prison 98 percent are repeat offenders i think i think the whole demonic package is waiting for the people right when they walk through the front gate again and get out of prison because they can have a home there you know but so anyway even the spirits here in the book says they left the mother and they came into karen kingston and as we go down these things, and as we go down and, and go down day by day, and the spirits that they confronted, not only will you see what you'll see what's in the mother and the father, and everything that came there. You know, little Karen Kingston was what they would call a spiritual train station. Everything was going through her. And so, quite some time ago, and this is where I was. You know, like I said, I had this book 30 years ago, and I remember a long, long time ago, it kind of just came. It came to me. You know, we have not that we have to have a, a horrible traumatic experience like this with a, a mother killing a father, but one thing I learned to pray, or one thing I started praying a long time ago, and especially when people were going to pass, is that I would bind the spirits that were in them to the bones of the person. To bind them there so that they could not, so that they couldn't go anywhere, and they would have to lay, uh, lay and be bound to the bones of the person until the day of judgment. Okay, that's right, demons. You enjoyed tormenting that person for all those years. You enjoyed tormenting them. You enjoyed doing whatever you did to that family line. Well, guess what? You can lay there with the with those bones in that coffin until until the day of judgment and go nowhere. Could you imagine the torture that would be for those spirits? And it's also a blessing for the rest of the family, too, because you don't have this always this generation of, of hopping spirits going from one to the next to the next to the next. Bind them there. That breaks this generational transfer and the, and the demons hopping continually from the parents to the kids, from the parents to the kids. Okay. Or the grandparents to the kids. You know, and this is also why we break curses back three, four, ten generations. We break curses back, you know, twenty generations. Some curses we break all the way back to Adam and Eve, and we break these. And for many of you listening here, for that there is you know, you're the one that's you may be the only person with knowledge of this and interested in in your family. Guess what? God chose you to break this long line of oppression that the enemy has brought into your life. So we're going to stop there for today. We're going to stop there for today. And what we're going to do in, in follow-up in, in follow programs, we're going to go down through these demonic packages. And, and number one, see how they're arrayed against the people of God. And number two, also uh, what, what these things were in, in boy, these, these wicked spirits that came in into, into Karen Kingston when she was seven years old, right, and set this up. 
And what's really great about this book is uh, for people that are reading it or people that are studying it, or even if you're completely by yourself, self, you can read, you can go down this piece by piece and come against these spirits and everything that's listed here, what they do. You may, you may recognize patterns that are running in your own life and patterns that are running in your own family line, and you can come against that in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the great thing is, people, is that it's written down right here. Okay, And in many spots, it's written in your Bible as well. Incredible deliverance tool, that is. So I'd like to pray now, and let's pray. And we'll start off with this here, too. And so we pray, and we say, Father in heaven, in Jesus' name, Lord, we come to you now, right now, Father, in Jesus' name, and we cover ourselves with the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Father, we we just forbid all transfer of spirits between us and other people, Lord. Lord, we forbid all the transfer of spirits down the family line, and we break that. We break that off. We break that off of us, off of our descendants in Jesus' name, off of our mothers, fathers, our brothers, sisters, our aunts and uncles, our nieces, nephews. We rebuke that in Jesus' name, and we command that transfer pattern to be broken in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and we loose the glory of the Lord, the salvation of the Lord, the healing of the Lord, and the deliverance of the Lord in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to go through that now in Jesus' name. We rebuke all fear of the enemy. Lord, any fear that's come up tonight of what we've talked about this here, we rebuked it. We fall out of agreement with it in Jesus' name, and we command that to leave us now in Jesus' name. And Lord, like it says in your word, Lord, it says he has taught my, he's taught my fingers to war so that a bow of steel is broken. And so, Father, we pray, Lord, teach our fingers how to war, and Lord, teach us how to pray on this, Lord. Again, we rebuke all fear of the enemy, for the Lord said in Luke chapter 10, verse 19, Behold, I give you power over all the power power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you in Jesus' name. Father, we just pray, Matthew chapter 18, verse 18, and it says, that which is bound on earth is bound in heaven, and that which is bound and uh, uh, loosed on earth is also loosed in heaven, and vice versa. So, Father, in Jesus' name, we pray that, Lord, and also the encouragement of binding and loosing in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I loose boldness. It says, the righteous shall be bold as a lion in Jesus' mighty name. We break that off of us, Lord. We untangle all the patterns of the arrested conscience in our soul, Father, in our mind, our will, and our emotions, in every place where the enemy has kept us afraid, and where the enemy has kept us blind in Jesus' name. And we stand up and say, no more. You are not doing with this with me. You are not doing this with my family line. I stand in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so I pray that I loose, I just loose, Lord, just encouragement for deliverance, Lord. Open the people's eyes to it in their very own Bibles in Jesus' mighty name. And so we pray this. And like it says in Mark chapter 1, verse 27, and they were all amazed insomuch that they questioned among themselves, saying, What thing is this? What new doctrine is this? For with authority commandeth he even the unclean spirits, and they do obey him. People, it's not like some new doctrine, it's who Jesus Christ is. And what Jesus and what Jesus did. He died on the cross for us. He died on the cross for us. And even more importantly, he rose again on the third day. And you know what? If you go if you're reading in the book of Mark, a little extra bonus for you here. Look at the last thing Christ was talking about in the book of Mark before he went up to be with his father. 
He was teaching people and encouraging them to pray deliverance. So praise the Lord. I'm very excited to walk with you through the book, The Devil and Karen Kingston here, so that we can learn and so that we can get freedom for ourselves and our family and, uh, yeah, and punch the devil in the nose. Praise the Lord. And that's where I'm stopping, Sheila. Well, great, Elvis. I really look forward to you coming back tomorrow for part two of this amazing Karen Kingston deliverance. As Elvis said, again, you can get the book. I've got a link below where you can get the ebook and it's very cheap. I think it's a couple bucks. So I'd really encourage people to do that. And what's so amazing, and it's really unfortunate I haven't been able to be on all the Sunday night calls, but as my prayer group has met on this pretty amazing subject, I'm really looking forward to actually... uh, uh, pooling all our questions, and then we'll try to have like a Q&A for the last part of this. It's pretty amazing how this was actually documented in 1974 so extensively, but not just documented, it was actually videoed all of this. Absolutely. And like I said, they had video. Um, of course, I've never seen the videos. The video recorded every which way that they could do it. And what's really great too, it's a, it's a really interesting thing on, on how to see how this enemy kingdom came to be, you know, they very the enemy put them put it very carefully together, and how God through some I'll say simple deliverance workers was able to tear it all apart. Absolutely. Well, Elvis, we very much look forward to part two tomorrow, and then part three is on Wednesday. So make sure, guys, you're listening to part one, two, and three all week. You're going to be very amazed, Elvis. Real quick in the waiting part of the show, do give out your information how the folks can find your handiwork. Well, you can reach me at the email address of Elvis, H-C-D, at AOL.com. The H-C-D stands for Hamburg Church of Deliverance, and it's Elvis, H-C-D, at AOL.com. You can check out our website that we're putting together. It's hcofd.de forward slash WordPress, and you can find us basically type in my name, Elvis, as in Elvis, Newhart, which is N-E-U-H-A-R-D-T. Sheila, I just want to thank you again for opening up the possibility to where we can share this. Yes, sir. Indeed. Folks, that was Pastor Elvis Newhart from Hamburg Church of Deliverance. I've got his information linked below as well as I've got the PDF there for the devil and Karen Kingston book is there below. Like I said, you can get it for a couple dollars and we look forward to part three tomorrow. Do not forget if you are not subscribed to my YouTube channel, do it. And for those of you that have the means, support this ministry. Folks, it is one of the few that is equipping the body of Christ for this epic end time battle, equipping the saints in the last days. That's really our mission statement here at Sheila Zelensky Ministries and the Sheila Zelensky Show. Thanks for tuning into the program today, folks, and we will see you tomorrow. Good night and God bless.